Welcome to the Boyd and Brooks podcast. I'm Laura Blavier Boyd. I'm Genevieve Nadler Brooks, and we are your hosts. On the Boyd and Brooks podcast, we want to bring you meaningful and fun spiritual conversations. In these conversations, we seek to explore vocational callings, authentic living, life mottos, and how faith and spirituality play an integral role in our lives. We hope that you will listen, enjoy, and share the podcast. We encourage you to subscribe to the Boyd and Brooks podcast on iTunes. It makes this podcast really easy to find in whatever platform you use to manage your podcasts. It also helps our podcast to be easier to find for other people. You can find us on social media. Our favorite is Instagram at Boyd and Brooks, as well as our blog, boydandbrooks.com. Here we go. Today on Boyd and Brooks podcast, we're with special guest, Ashley Griffith. Woo! Yay! Yeah. Excited to be awesome. here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. So glad to have you here. Uh, Genevieve and I have been talking a lot on the podcast about calling and vocation and um, what And honestly mean? about food, too, about the ministry mm-hmm. of food. Mm-hmm. Cool. I know about that. Yeah. That's another passion, yeah. And I want to circle back around yeah. to that later because okay. we know that food may play mm-hmm. a big role in mm-hmm. some of your missional community. It is, yeah. It so for everyone mm-hmm. who doesn't know you, right? well, first of all, I want to yeah. just say that I know, I know of you. Uh-huh. We don't know each other that well, but we right. have mutual friends. Right. We, we obviously work in the ministry community together. Right. Um, but I don't know if you know this, but you're kind of known as a rock star. Ah, uh, you all. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm here today. I'm honestly just Thanks. so glad to sit yeah. at your feet and cool. listen to you and to learn from you. And um, Thanks. And I think that so many people who will listen to this today will also take a lot away from the things that you're going to talk about. Thank you. Um, Great. So, so you're, you, you've got an MDiv. Yeah. Your are Yes, yes. And so tell us a little bit about your story. Like right. Your okay. What you to do? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Houston, Texas at um, a really progressive, justice-oriented uh, Presbyterian church, PCUSA church. And so even way back then, before it was allowed or whatever, I saw gay people in ministry. I saw people of different socioeconomic backgrounds and even some racial diversity um, come together as church. And the cool thing was that was really the only area of my life that felt diverse in those ways. I went to a real homogenous private school, K through 12. So it was a really cool experience. Um, and went through the youth program and all of that, uh, side by side with that, it was really through Young Life Ministry that I fell in love with Jesus, understood um, a, um, the possibility of a personal relationship with Jesus. So those two kind of pieces of my story have been a neat sort of counterbalance to each other in a good way as far as my formation. Um, that really progressive, liberal, traditional church with the justice focus, um, along with the just the fun, the joy, the celebration of abundant life in Jesus through Young Life Ministry and the relational aspect of ministry that I I learned and experienced through Young Life. Um, Went to a Presbyterian-related undergrad, Davidson College, and um, really wasn't thinking as much about seminary or vocational ministry, but they have um, a scholarship where they'll invite a student who isn't considering ordained ministry to take a freebie year, like a scholarship year at Union Seminary, trying to um, invite people to consider ministry who aren't already. 
I actually, I was invited to consider that. I said no to that. I was in love at the time and, um, and followed another path, but that kind of stuck in my mind as a possibility because faith was very important to me. I was a young life leader throughout college, um, but I just wasn't, I really didn't have mentors in ministry who were women, especially in ordained ministry um, or denominational ministry. So I didn't really know how that would look. I didn't have a vision for myself with that. Um, but fa- fast forward a couple of years, my husband was in grad school here at NC State, and um, there were enough people in my life just speaking that encouragement, uh, the gifts they saw in me, even though I didn't have a clear picture of what it might mean to go to seminary or be ordained, um, that I went ahead and pursued uh, seminary at Duke Divinity School. So Duke is not Presbyterian related. Uh, it can be done, and it was commutable. So I drove back and forth from Raleigh, and my husband and I were both full, full-time grad students on loans and working odd jobs. So such a great and, and wonderful experience. And um, yeah, but just people who, who I trusted and loved, who kept saying to me, we see these gifts, we see these passions. I've always loved people and I love people's stories and I love Jesus and the gospel and um, find it to be the most compelling thing that I know of. So that's how my calling to ministry happened. But when I went to seminary, I didn't necessarily think I would become an ordained pastor. Wow. Yeah. And so you're, you were at peace for a little bit and you right. had your own church for a little bit. Yeah. So after seminary, um, got a really neat call. So exciting. Um, my first call or job out of seminary was I was what's called a solo pastor. Um, at a, yeah, because it's, a, it's what they call when you're just on your own at a very small church. So I went to a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You thought I was going to say North Carolina. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is the coolest place, believe it or not. It's like Carborough mm-hmm. a little bit around here in the sense that it is progressive and liberal and artsy, and it's a college town where the University of Arkansas is. So it's this little oasis in the Ozarks because um, it kind of feels like it's in the middle of nowhere, and I wouldn't necessarily want to live anywhere else in Arkansas, <laughs> but I loved being in Fayetteville. My husband got a job teaching architecture at the University of Arkansas, which was kind of his dream job at the time. And I got this call. I never would have imagined it at 28 years old to be the pastor of a small Presbyterian church that was historic. It was founded in 1828. So it was the oldest Presbyterian church west of the Mississippi. But I had no idea how to be a pastor um, at all. And when I showed up, most of the people in the church, there were 50, 60, 70 people coming to worship really old church. Uh, it was a civil war hospital, uh, and it was a one room schoolhouse. And there was this beautiful, very bucolic, um, uh, cemetery behind the church with, uh, gravestones of people who were born in the late 1700s, um, and died in the mid 1800s out there. It was just crazy. So beautiful scene, beautiful people, who were loving and um, cared for me because what did I, a 28-year-old, have to say to teach or preach to these fabulous people in their 80s? So a lot of octogenarians as my besties. So much fun. People would 
bring me their um, tomatoes and their field peas just out of love for me and leave it on the church porch. We would get skunks caught in the church basement. When the toilet would overflow and a person would come to fix it, he would not believe that I was the pastor. It was Baptist territory. He thought I was the secretary, so I finally just gave up on that. But um, Miriam, Barium, everything. It was great. So did that for four and a half years. Loved it. Um, But then ended up having three children in four years. (laughs) No, no, no. Is that right? Three children under four. So three kids in five years. That's how that worked. It's insane. I'm still kind of recovering through that. (laughs) These 12 years later. So during that period, moved back to Raleigh, was home with babies for a little while, then was the chaplain at Peace College. Loved that. Loved that. And that was all relational ministry at a Presbyterian-related college. Even got to teach in the religion department, even though I just have an MDiv and not a PhD. So such a cool um, experience, and I loved it. Then there were some changes in the administration, and 60% of the faculty and staff were laid off. So I lost that position, and it was a heartbreak Mm -hmm. because I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was doing an incredible job, and so it made no sense to me. Um, But uh, just sort of recalibrate did some other things, couldn't find a job in ministry at that point um, because I was only looking at Presbyterian churches and I was only looking local because my husband had started an architecture firm here. So ended up going corporate for just over a year, but it felt like a decade because it was so not what I loved. I I remember you talking about this over over lunch one time and I'm so interested in what it's like when you have to when you're basically yeah. forced to right. move away from what yeah. you really love, right? What you really love, yeah, to do. yeah. It was tough. I mean, people would tease me that I was like the chaplain at Quintiles because I would, I wasn't really good at the job. It was like program management and all this stuff on Excel, and you know, I'm not great at all of that. But I kind of became the mascot for the floor and would organize the lunches and the parties <laughs> and just like how people were doing. But you were supposed to like sit at your desk quietly for hours on end with this white noise, like hundreds of people in this one space um, but with this white noise so it, you could hear a pin drop it sounds painful and like I loved going to the printer because it meant I could like get up and talk to people oh so <laughs> it was rough and plus the traffic driving out there but so thankful for a paycheck you know and just Absolutely. really the only reason I got that job is knew somebody that was kind of higher up in the company so very grateful for that but it makes being in full-time vocational ministry again all the sweeter mm-hmm. what I did learn I mean so many things I learned but during that year it just reinforced to me that for me these days, and this could change, one of these people, whatever I say, like next week I might feel something different. But for now, um, ministry to me is not about the job title or the title at all, um, or even the job description. To me, it's a lifestyle. So I would say I was in ministry, even at Quintiles, Mm -hmm. and I was freed up to do the kind of relational ministry that I still do. I mean, nobody tells you to do that or not do that. You do that because of Jesus in your life, right? Yeah. So, so, so let me ask you this. We, yeah. I know even I find this all the time, people throwing around like um, churchy language. Yeah. That, that I think like the everyday person is not familiar right. with. Right. So when we say yeah. like relational yes. ministry. Yes, what does that what mean? That yeah, that right, right. That's a great question. I love it. I love that because, um, and we'll get to this later, but spe- the specific ministry I'm doing now is really trying to train and equip people to live out their everyday lives and faith in ways that are compelling and invitational. So what that means to me is just caring about people, uh, showing up for people, 
um, hearing their stories and holding space. I mean, I know that's sort of a buzzy term and concept right now, but it's important um, not to have an agenda for others. Um, so that's kind of where my evangelicalism, if that's a word, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so so not to treat people as a project, mm. you know? Like I think sometimes with church it gets confusing because of programs and ministries and numbers, but truly to show up for people that God's put in your life with curiosity, with, with love, and no agenda. Mm. Um, so... It's actually not that hard to do, and it's really fun. And I think that um, people aren't stupid, and they can sniff it out yeah. when you're treating them like a project yeah, for sure for your for your own gain or whatever that would be about. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's a lot about shared meals, <laughs> you know, because I love to eat, and Raleigh has so many amazing places to eat. But you know, you look through Scripture, and so many of Jesus important transformative encounters and conversations and healings happened around food. I mean, our number one image is Jesus at the table breaking bread and saying, this is me and offering himself. So um, that's kind of my number one image of how I want to live life is I want to live life like Jesus. And I want to be, well, I don't always want to be broken for the world, but that's part of the calling to be broken, to be given, um, to be poured out in God's name. And so sharing meals is a huge part of that because it's just, it's simple. It's basic. Everyone needs to eat and it's a shared experience. Yeah. Um, so that's what I love doing. And truly it's what I get paid to do right now is show up, uh, share meals with people, hear their stories, remember what they've said, pray for folks, um, reach out with notes and texts and prayers. And, um, it is really more effective than I ever could have imagined when you really want to pour into folks. I think people are hungry for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not about hungry for friendship with me, um, or you or anyone else. It's, it's that Holy spirit in us, which says, I see you, I hear you, you matter. Mm -hmm. Um, let's just be together, yeah. you know? So it's good. So sacred. Yeah. Well, one of the things, so I got to be in a missional community for yeah. a little bit, and I I loved it. So I, I do want to talk about that later. But one of the things, so there are leaders of these missional communities mm. that you essentially disciple. Yes. And so tell me, tell yeah. us a little bit about what that mm. looks like. Right. Because I think people in the churchy language disciple. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. Like people get scared. Right. Yeah. What are you going to do to me? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Like, oh, so the concept is just follow me as I follow Jesus. And I also like to, I joke that I issue really bad invitations like, hey, I got to run to Target, want to come with. Hey, I got to fold laundry, bring your basket over. Hey, let's take a walk, let's get wine. It's like the everyday stuff of yeah. my life that I open up and share with people, which feels like a risk because it used to be like, oh, let me get my house in order. Oh, let me, you know, put on some cuter clothes. And it can't be like that. Like I've just decided for me, it's going to be about being more generous and open with my life and my time. I feel like we get so caught up in that whole, I need to build up this facade. Mm -hmm. First we put up, yeah, this, we put yeah. up the facade and then I'm yes. going to invite you in. And yeah. I, I feel like yeah. there's this movement, this energy mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. of a lot of women yeah. who are saying, we have no, we have no more time. Oh, totally. Totally. And, yeah. and we're not going to do that. We're going to tell real stories, right. true stories. We're going to show yeah. you all the dirty, messy, gray yeah. parts of our lives and you can come and share in it. And, right. if, and if you want to be a truth teller too, right. Right. Then, then maybe you'll yeah. share that story with me. It's and so now, good. now we're bonded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that is so true. And we don't have time for all the rest of it. Like I 
Saber, like Shauna Nequist is one of my favorites. You know, just we're the same Enneagram number seven, like savoring life, but to excess. Like her book, Present Over Perfect, was so beautiful and so good for me this summer, but convicting and I'm returning to it regularly because I need it um, in my own life and balance and ministry. Um, So what that looks like is... um, for one thing, when I'm looking for leaders, the way I explain, I I don't cast a wide net, like who wants to be a leader? It's a very thought out, prayerful process where I'll invite like the pastor of the community um, from which the people will come to pray with me and name names with me of who she or he sees as um, a really compelling Jesus follower Mm. with a life of fruit and joy that's contagious. Um, And so what I'll do is I'll take that individual, or if it's a couple, um, I I usually don't take groups, like to to a meal. Just went to Standard Foods the other night. Usually a good meal. It needs to feel (laughs) celebratory, not manipulative, but celebratory. And just say, these are the things. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm looking for two things is the character of Christ and the competency to lead. And I didn't make those terms up. Some of this language that I use is from 3DM, which is the training, a ministry training that I love, 3DM. Um, um, Yeah, Joe Saxton and Mike Breen and all them. Yes, so good. Love her and her podcast. So um, leadership. So I'll sit with folks and I'll say, listen, um, you have the character of Christ. It doesn't mean your life is perfect. Mine isn't. No one's is. Jesus's was, but that's it. So your life isn't perfect, but you have the character of Christ. Let me tell you why. Mm -hmm. I see the joy in your life. I see how you show up for your friends. I see how you're a trusted person that people can come to. So I just name and affirm those gifts. Mm -hmm. Even if they say no to being a leader, I think that's important. And I think we should do more of that. Were these some of the things that people were saying to you early on? Yeah, totally. Yes, yes, totally. I'm glad you pointed that out because it's important to like be generous with our words and not to hoard it out of fear or like there's not enough to go around. Like there is so much in God's economy. Like we all can be used for God's kingdom, right? So character of Christ. And I assure them, they're like, oh, but I've got this going on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that humility is beautiful. Like all through the Bible, the people that God is calling, those folks are usually, you know, Moses, whoever like, no, not me. I can't, I can't even talk well, you know? So I say, this is how I see the character of Christ in you. And then this is how I see the competency to lead in you. And, um, I don't know if you know it or not, but people already kind of follow you. Like I watch and this is what I see. And so, um, those are the two criteria. A lot of times it's a new believer. A lot of times it's a new member of the church if they're a member of the church. So it is really counter to how, in my opinion, churches often do like nominations or committee searches or, Oh, you're a finance guy in the world. You'd be great on the finance team here. Well, not necessarily. I'm looking for fruits of the spirit, for this contagious, compelling, magnetic life of Jesus that I am just going to keep fanning that flame and fanning that flame. Yeah. So, yeah. All the things. Yay! I, I, I literally didn't know what you said. I should have said that. I was like, yes. yes yeah, I yes, agree. Yes. But, but what it means with the leaders, like I just show up for and with them and I have a schedule and it, it was much easier when there was one group and then three groups and five groups and eight groups. But now we have 17 missional communities, which is almost 20 leaders. And so what I'm struggling with now is not having the capacity because I don't want to overpromise and under deliver. Like I'm going to quote disciple you, which what that means is like, so when it works well, like with my one leader, Maggie, I show up at her office every Monday morning, often with Starbucks or pastries 
she's an interior designer. We're out in the world. We're not huddled up in the church. I ask her how she is. I pray for her in her life and her, her, um, missional community. So and I'm, yeah, we pray together. Yeah. That's the kind of thing we, we eat together. Yeah. I'm just going to call yeah. her right now. Okay. Yeah. That's why we love each other. We're your prayer partners. Yeah. Can we pray? Yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You were walking out the door, but can we pray? I love Genevieve. That's, Soul sister. Yeah. I I, I want to bring that yeah. up because mm. I think that in some particular denominations, mm-hmm. um, people are not used to sure. praying their words out loud right. organically to it's God. Good. They yeah. think it's something that has to be formulated and written down right. in in a in right. with precision. Right. And I feel like one of the things that Genevieve and I are trying to do in our own ministry Mm. is like just encourage people to say any words Mm. out loud to God. Mm. You know, God already knows what's in your heart and your mind. And so speaking them out loud with someone Mm. gives this extra, um, I think power to, to Mm. what has said. And, and so I, I I do think praying and praying out loud Mm. and praying with someone Mm -hmm. is, is very, very powerful. Mm. Where did the the idea of the one? Yeah, that's what I was okay. thinking of. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm pretty sure that's also a 3DM. So this whole 3DM deal, um, they invite you to these workshops, and then you just do like mock missional communities. So as I before I actually led any, I just kind of tried to get immersed so I could experience it and then lead out with it. Um, and they do this thing, and I have just glommed onto it and used it and taught it. And this is how we talk about prayer and missional community, but even just relationally one-on-one or even with my family is, um, we'll say this, uh, some of y'all are here tonight and you feel like you have faith and that's awesome. Some of you feel like you, maybe you don't have faith or maybe you have more doubts than faith. Maybe you have a burden that's so big, you don't have words for it and you don't trust yourself to even speak of it. And so we, similar to what you just said, Laura, we know God is already in this place. We don't have to say the fancy words. We don't have to work it all up. Like our being together, our sharing a meal, our sharing life, it is all an offering. It is all worship. It is all prayer. So what we're going to do tonight is what I call one sentence prayers. We simply want to leverage faith, the faith of this group for each other. Mm -hmm. That's the whole sort of hashtag is better together. Mm -hmm. The concept is we're better followers of Jesus and and disciples in the world and just people um, together than we are in isolation on our own. And so what that looks like is someone will share something that's going on um, that they're need prayer for. And, um, then the leader of the group, and usually they're very scared to pray out loud too. Like I've, I don't know that I've ever met someone who's like, Oh yeah, I've got this. So like, Oh, okay. It's scary, but I want to try because I think it matters. And they will literally just restate what that person's heart's cry was mm-hmm. in like one or two sentences mm-hmm. and then move on to the next one. So the churchy way to do it is okay. Let's all share joys and concerns. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about, yeah, yeah. And and I like that too, like conversationally, but what ends up happening is people talk about their coworkers, mothers, brothers, diagnosis, which matters. We do need to pray about that. But what I'm trying to do with missional community, and this is the scary part. So I'll say that, like, I'm going to ask you to push a little bit here outside your comfort zone and lean in here. Um, I really am interested tonight in what do you need help with? If Jesus were to show up, what do you need help with? 
And um, people have stuff, right? And sometimes you're about to end a meeting and you just say, I just want to leave space. Is there anything on anyone's heart that you want to offer? And usually the tears come and someone will just croak out, please pray for my marriage. And that's all they need to say. We don't need details. We don't even need names. And so we say that one sentence prayer. And what I love about one sentence prayers, for one thing, the whole concept of leveraging faith in the same way um, those followers of Jesus lowered the paralytic person down through the roof because they couldn't get to Jesus. Like in missional community, we're leveraging faith. So those of us who can say a one sentence prayer, we'll say it for you. Even if you're not sure you believe, like we love you. So we're going to cry out to God for you, but it's not going to be long and fancy. Um, But what I love about it is I think, and I'm getting feedback from folks that like, it takes away um, this idea that only certain people pray. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we let the good prayers pray, like right. the ministers or the church staff members, or you've got an MDiv, so you're the, the good prayer. What that means is you have a long list and you do a 20-minute rambly thing, which everybody else feels like, see, she's a good prayer and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And what I love about One Sentence Prayers is it gives people language and tools Um, So that when they're driving to work and they've got a stressful encounter ahead, they can say, God, I'm scared about this day. Please be with me and guide my words. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Like that's the way we're just trying to be really direct with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So one of the things that was really cool about that was watching people who never um, (laughs) feel like they could pray. Right. And taking the pressure off and watching them pray because very if they do a literally one sentence prayer it's great but a lot of times people mm. people speak three four five mm-hmm. sentences but it's so authentic mm. it is so caring yeah. towards that person that it is it it it's just a holy moment. Yeah. And we ask permission. I mean, there's some touching and extending hands, which, you know, that's not necessarily part of my tradition. It is in the Presbyterian liturgy when you're ordained, um, even as an elder, mm-hmm. um, not even as a pastor, but as a elder in a church body, they lay hands. And so it is part of our biblical tradition. It's part of our church tradition, but I don't feel like we utilize it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there, we feel like it's a little too holy ghosty or, you know, too much, a little too much. Um, but I've found that if you ask permission, like, Hey, if someone's crying, like my instinct is to put my hand on their shoulder, mm-hmm. but I'll say, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll invite others, like just extend your hands towards Genevieve. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a little bit beyond our tradition, right? Like that might feel holy roller, but I think it's powerful yeah. because some folks, maybe they don't have the words, but they can join in that gesture right? in that sort of heart's posture. Like mm-hmm. you're hurting. So I'm leaning in, in love. Yeah. And so I think giving those tools and inviting people into that practice yeah it's good okay so so for everyone who doesn't know you, you have these you, you've already mm-hmm. you've got these initial communities you yeah. started out with one right and just, which is all based on this relational ministry that correct you do, yeah and then you equip these leaders yes and then they start making groups sort of sort yeah of. Okay. yeah yeah so tell same us, idea the, yeah so this is where i want you to talk okay. about like you how many how many mission groups right you so we've been at it now three years and we have 17 groups okay. ah it's ridiculous. Yeah. And um, I want to I want to reference here yeah. the Jamie Ivy podcast. Okay. I don't know if you listen to her podcast, uh-uh. but one of the things I've noticed Jamie doing recently in her interviews with women is when she'll say she'll say to them, "Wow, you are you are 
really rocking it. Hmm. You are a success. And then right. the woman will try to back down her. Curtain. No, 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 no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> say, I wouldn't say that. Yes. She's like, no, we are saying that. Yes. We're going to claim that hmm. that is a success and that you are a success. Hmm. And so we're claiming for you yes. that you are a success. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Community. Yeah. And so, so what's your view on that? Right. Because the, the church kind of seems like, yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes we're not real super comfortable saying right. we're success, but what right. does that even really mean? Right. But. Uh huh. So good. So ah, I do think. <laughs> <laughs> It, I I know that these missional communities are a success, and I know I'm being used in mighty ways, and that my specific gifts are specific in creativity. Like I get it. I'm I'm pouring my heart into it. Like I know that. My husband says that he's like, can you believe this? Like wow, look yeah. at what you're doing. And I'm always like, yes, it's God. And of course it's God. Duh. Right? Like I could not do this. <laughs> Come on. But I'm being used, and it's such a great joy. Um, but it is tempting to want to say, nah, it's not that. Oh. Or just like deflected off to the the pastor of that group or whatever and there is a lot of partnership and intentionality but I appreciate that and I know that it's true like I I feel like if I were to retire today at 42 I could say look at the fruit of this ministry you know and the cool thing I talked about this with y'all before we were recording but I also feel like I don't need permission to do it mm. um, like if for some reason the church budget got cut or you know I ended up without this position this is a lifestyle I want to lead. Mm-hmm. Like I will always have people in my home sharing meals and going out to serve and pray together. Like that is who I want to be. Um, but thank you for that. I do think that success is happening. I also know, like I do live in fear. This is like, you know, Brene Brown talks about the imposter yeah. syndrome, syndrome. Like what if, okay, this is great, but it's almost like you want to pinch yourself. Like what if they flop? Like I still worry that they'll all be a sham and I'll be exposed. Like emperor has no clothes. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but I just want to name that even when I'm quote, quote, successful in life or ministry or even parenting, like I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop and I don't, I don't like that. Like, that's not cool. I don't know if that's a woman thing or just an Ashley thing. Um, they are successful. I am so thrilled. Um, I think the reason they're successful though because I've always said, I don't want to be a part of something that just I can do, like rest on my own laurels. Like, look at me. I went to Duke and then Davidson and then Duke. And then look at all my credentials and look, I'm ordained and look like, eh, not that impressive. I know a lot of people with those credentials and much, much better ones. So I want to do something that's way bigger than me. That is bigger than what my own intellect or experience can produce. And that's what's happening. So the prayer, Genevieve, I'm right there with you, sister. Um, I want every day and in every community for it to be better than what we can produce. And that's why it's a constant prayer. Like, God, we're going to bring our best, but at our best, we're broken. Um, So take it, magnify it. And so really, I point to that Ephesians passage, which is this, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And that's what's happening, not just in my little area of ministry, but in other areas as well, where I celebrate like, yeah, awesome pastor, great preacher, super with people. But guess what? It is something that is yielded to God. And we're saying, God, don't just do the best that we can do. Do what only you can do, God. And that to me is what's happening in missional communities. And I'm, so I'm both a participant, I'm a leader, but I'm also like an odd 
bystander. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of answers two of our, our okay. other areas that we want to talk about, like life motto okay. and kind of your calling. Ooh. You know, this idea that like yeah. you, you want to offer up all of the parts of your life, the way that you're just continuing yeah. on, whether or not it's your job or not. Right. Right. God, and it's such an adventure oh, and like, yeah. ah, I, it's so fun and exciting. I want to speak on my, behalf of my family, but it's oh. like, this is something that we all share, you know, and sometimes it is a burden and sometimes I'm out too many nights a week and I've, I've got to keep working on that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to live any other way. Like I think about how rich our lives are like relationally and also spiritually and the fun of it, yeah. like the joy of it. My kids every day, they're like, Bishop, can we tonight? You know, cause I go to a lot of groups. Yeah. I mean, we have the one that our family is regular in, uh-huh. but then a lot of times I'll drag the kids along because there's childcare and there's good dinner. So if Matt has a meeting or something, kids are going with me multiple nights a week and it's like church party yeah. and they're playing baseball and they're eating food and they're doing one sentence prayers and they've got all these adults. Like to me, it's, it's people growing into their baptisms mm. and confirmations yes. because they, I mean, it's like, we don't need to find youth mentors. It's everywhere. Like uh, all these, like, it's so cool. It's so cool. All these adults who are like fun, 20 somethings, way more fun and cool than I am. Well, can we just yeah, say, like, this like, is like, Breaking down Mm -hmm. that third wall and saying, like, church doesn't have to be this Mm -hmm. serious, uptight, rigid thing that you do on a Sunday from 11 to 12. Because church is who we are. It's it's who we are. It is not a place. It is not 11 to 12 on Sunday. Like, that, I am not new in saying this, but, like, really to give people an invitation to live that out and... To break down walls, like there are people in missional communities who wouldn't necessarily claim Christian faith currently. Mm-hmm. And if they're not our project, we're not trying to coerce them either. Right. But we are saying this Jesus life is compelling mm-hmm. and it's full of love and it's bigger than us and it's about serving. So come alongside. Whether or not you claim Jesus, your heart wants to serve. Yeah. You want to pour into the world in good ways. So come along and do it with us. And what's so exciting is a lot of times people do that and the genuine, authentic showing up for you love is compelling enough when they're part of these families and these dinners that they're like, okay, like I want to be a part of this. Right. I want right. to know this God better, you know, it's so yeah. good. Um, so yeah, it is just wide open. Like I don't hold any meetings at church because to me it's about getting out in the neighborhoods. Mm. Um, and it's just, it is so fun. So life motto, um, first I'll say sort of the light one, which is kind of a joke and kind of not, there is some theology even behind it. And that is make it fun. Mm. Um, I always say, cause you know, nobody in ministry makes very much money. <laughs> so if it weren't fun, like I wouldn't do it. And when it stops being fun, I'm going to stop. Because I only have one life to live. Mm -hmm. And I've already sort of that ship done sail that I was going to be like really wealthy in some other field. And so I'm doing this because it's so bubbling over with life and with Jesus Mm -hmm. and grace and transformation. Make it fun. It doesn't mean it's always easy or goofy or slapstick. Like it's serious. It's intense. It's hard work because that's what grace and forgiveness are all about and serving and, you know, doing the work. Not, um, but... There is just this freedom, this freedom to fail because of Jesus. Like, what do I have to prove? You know, like I get to come along and call out and celebrate beautiful things in people's lives and in our world. Um, 
And that is, yeah. So, so every missional community starts with celebrations and often there's champagne involved. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not going to overly spiritualize this. Like let's toast each other. Like what good is happening in your life? Every good and perfect gift is from above. So like you just had a wedding anniversary. Yes toast. You just got promoted. Awesome. Thanks be to God. So there's a lot of laughter. And what's cool is our kids are learning Mm. that language. Like Shauna Nequist talks about when you gather around a table, you say a prayer and you say a toast. Mm. And the prayer is a way of saying, God, we acknowledge you. You're here. All of this is from you. Thank you. And we love you. And a toast is a way of saying to the person across from you, I see you. You're here. You matter. And Cheers to you and to me and to the gift of this table in this time, right? Yeah. So to, those are kind of my, the prayer and the celebration are the, the two sides that go so closely together of the kind of ministry I get to do and how we do missional community. So celebrating life, make, you know, noticing and celebrating even the small things yeah. as huge gifts of grace. Right. Um, so yeah. I'm like ready yeah. to go. I'm like ready to go out. I'm gonna have to just like re-listen to this podcast every week. Sweet. Like, Here we go. We're going out. It's really like coaching. Like, it, was like, it was kind of like because it's stuff you already know, and it just pumps you up. You're like, I totally. want to do this. Yeah. When you realize that uh, there's, I don't know how to say this exactly, but that there's other people out there who are really yeah. affirming mm. that. The, this is this is this is the way. This yeah. is the same way. This is yes. a real way for us yeah. to be in each other's lives and yeah. to reflect Jesus and to show love. It's right. just if it's not energizing to you, right? What wow, are you doing? What, what's right. happening? Who are you? Right. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Rob Bell podcast Rob reference. Bell. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Thank you yeah. so much. Good. This has been just. Like, it's fun. So I want to. Y'all, you yeah. talk to you all day. I Thank feel like you. we'll do it another after yeah. here. Yeah. Part two. Oh, okay. you're sweet. Well, this was really, really fun. I love talking about this stuff and just being in y'all's presence. So much joy. Oh. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So on the blog, we will list, uh, we have several references in the podcast today, and we'll put links up to resources for those. But again, thank you, Ashley, for being on the Boyd and Brooks podcast today. Yeah. You're welcome. All right.